0: This is episode number 66 with Anna Crow, the CEO of Crow PR. Welcome to the Good Life Coach Podcast. I am your host, Michelle Lamoureux. The intention of this show is to awaken you to your fullest potential. Join me each week for inspiring interviews to elevate an area of your life as well as interviews with women entrepreneurs who are creating success on their own terms. Each episode provides actionable tips to guide you to design a life you love. Hey there, it's Michelle and welcome back to the podcast. I'm so happy you are here. If you are new to the show, I do see that there are a lot of new people downloading episodes. I want to welcome you to the show and also to say that if you wanted to learn more about the intention behind the show, who it's for, why I started it, I want to invite you to tune into episode number 008. It's not a long episode, but it really gets into the heart and intention behind the podcast and why I produce it each and every week. Um, I will link it in the show notes, or you can just go to thegoodlifecoach.com forward slash 008 to access that episode. And so as we head into February, I will be celebrating my 49th birthday, which is kind of a weird thing, I'll be honest with you. I don't have an issue with getting older, but when you feel young and yet you are older and you are aware that a certain percentage, more than half of your life is gone, uh, and over, it really inspires you to keep taking stock of what's important and really cherishing your time and prioritizing how you spend it. And so I think that hearing the reason why I started the show may be helpful. It may spark within you a reminder of a passion project that you have in your heart that you want to produce, Uh, The intention really behind this show is to inspire you of what's possible and to show that lots of women are taking those ideas and making them a reality. And so I'm on the journey with all of you of awakening, of becoming, of owning my voice, our voices, and our realities. So um, it's an honor that you join me each and every week, and I really want you to know that. I produce the show because I know that so many of you do tune in and that you're committed to learning and, and want that inspiration and those steps to take your business or your life further. So, today on the show, I have on Anna Crow, who is the founder and CEO of Crow PR, and that's spelled C R O W E, Crow PR. Anna is on today to talk about how to use public relations to boost your brand and your business. Anna is an Amazon bestselling author. She's a speaker and an adjunct marketing professor, and she has spent nearly 20 years working for iconic brands in New York, Los Angeles, and San Diego. And English is actually her second language. She is from Moscow originally, and she's going to tell us a really great story of how she tuned into the importance of brand and authenticity and how she has scaled her company in just five years to over a million dollars. So a lot of great takeaways today. I found myself taking notes, even though my background's in marketing, PR is its own separate skill set. And I just thought that she shared a lot of great tips. So if you are looking to get more publicity for your company or focus on your brand presence, I think you're going to love today's conversation. She gives us pro tips to get PR, how to pitch to the media, tips to grow to seven figures. She shares what she did to help position herself to scale so quickly. We get into mindset and so much more. So uh, if you are a small business owner, a CEO, or even within a company, there's so much value to today's conversation. I would say get a pen and paper out because like I said, there are so many great tips that Anna shares to help you maximize getting PR for your business. So let's get into the show. Hey, Anna, thank you for joining me today. Thanks so much for having me on. You have a great story to tell, and I'm so happy you're here. So I thought we could kick it off with your childhood growing up in Moscow and moving to New York City as a young girl and how that has shaped who you are and what you do today.
1: Oh, absolutely. So you want me to go way, way back? (laughs) I think so, because it's a fun story
0: from your book. So yeah, I love it
1: sure absolutely um so yeah i was um i grew up in moscow actually during the soviet union and i moved to america when i was 11 and um, we moved from Moscow to the Bronx when I was 11, and I ha- didn't know how to speak the language at that point, so it was definitely a little bit frustrating. Uh, but we moved uh, with my family, my parents, and my younger sister, and we just started a life in America. And it was obviously all very, very foreign to me at the time, uh, because if you know anything about Soviet Union, it was uh, probably the opposite, or as far as you can get uh, from you know un- the United States. Um, so. I went to Russian school for a little while. And then um, in about sixth grade, I went to a public school in the Bronx. Um, and also, that was uh, quite the experience not knowing the language. Mm. Um, I remember I failed my first um, cl- uh, English Aww. quiz. Yes. <laughs> it was very tough. It was Aww. very traumatic because I was A, a student in, in Russia. Mm. Um, and so I really felt like I had to buckle down and figure out the language. And, and more importantly, figure out the culture because it was quite different from what I was, um, you know, used to. Mm. Um, so I, I always joke around that I learned English by, um, listening to the Beatles albums and reading bazooka comics.
0: Oh my goodness. That's a great story. (laughs) Well, you wrote this book called get real, the power of genuine leadership, a transparent culture and an authentic you, which I loved. Um, and you you also obviously got into the world of PR. And so the reason I wanted you to tell a little bit of your upbringing, you talk about it in the book and you clearly were always a hard worker and, you know, overachiever and ambitious and all of that. And then you had this language barrier and it really factored into how you became like how you showed up in the world. Can you talk a little bit more about this? Because PR is all about, you know, your your brand presence, you know, what what you want to put out.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that was one of the biggest struggles I had as a kid or as a teenager in America. Is um, I had my own personality and you know I had my own quirkiness, and I was a really good student. I, I worked really hard to get good grades. And then when I came to America, I couldn't really be myself because I couldn't communicate with my classmates. You know, I couldn't make a joke. I didn't understand what others made jokes. Mm. I couldn't do as well on the test. you know I had a social studies quiz on you know the history of America. I had no idea what was going on. Um, you know, <laughs> so, <laughs> I was like I don't know past you know two weeks ago when I got here and what happened in America. Right. Um, just, you just didn't really learn that growing up. So it was very challenging to really be myself and to show up as who I was. So I struggled with that and I, I gravitated towards a bunch of other Russian kids in the community because mm-hmm. we spoke the same language literally right? Not just the, English, the Russian language, but also culturally, we understood each other. We had the same upbringing. So it was very um, you know, important for me to have that sort of a network um, until I, I learned the language. And I learned the culture. And I think it was, you know, by the time I get to end of high school and early college is when I was able to really truly be myself again, or at least get on that same path. Mm-hmm. I think we're always, of course, figuring out who we are as humans, you know, through yep. the the rest of our days, but, uh, but I was back on the path where I could at least, um, show up uh, as myself. And and that was really a, a big moment.
0: Yeah, that's such a good story. And so how did you end up in the world of PR? I know you didn't start immediately in that field upon graduating.
1: Yes. So I actually wanted to study fine arts, um, surprisingly, not because Mm. I was good at it. I just really enjoyed it. Mm. And I think that also goes back to when you're not able to communicate with others, you have your outlets. So Mm. for me, it was drawing and painting. You know, I was able to show up as myself in that way. Um, But I also part of me, also wanted to be a businesswoman because my dad was a businessman growing up, mm. and thought, "Well, that's so cool. He gets to travel and you know work with all these people and wear a suit. I want to do that." Um, so I struggled with it, and when I went to college, I really didn't have much of a choice um, at the time. It was really looking for the career that was going to give me a job, and um, mm. accounting was something that. Um, you know, was popular for great Mm -hmm. um, jobs. So I actually ended up studying public uh, accounting in college. And I got my first job in public accounting for a big four, the time big five CPA firm in New York. Mm -hmm. Um, So I worked in Manhattan. And what I learned from that job is, you know, I loved uh, client service. I loved helping companies grow and understanding financials. Um, So there's things that I really loved, but I didn't love just the, you know, straight up accounting and Mm -hmm. I needed a more creative field. Um, so that's when I pivoted and ended up going to work for a major cosmetics company in the marketing department Mm -hmm. and then eventually pursued my MBA, um, to be in the marketing and the PR profession, uh, which is what I got into about 10 years ago now.
0: So did you launch your company
1: 10 years ago? Um. No, I started my company five years ago. It'll actually be five years on January 4th, oh. uh, which is very exciting. Um, I got into, I worked for a company called Capital Records, which I'm sure you've heard mm-hmm. of um, in LA right after grad school. And my office was actually next door to the head publicist there. And at the time I was reading a book um, written by the Beatles, former publicist, about how they... You created the image. And obviously Mm. the Beatles have an incredible product um, as a brand, but there were so many things that PR helped shape from the wigs to the turtlenecks to the iconic um, logo. Right. It was just so interesting. And because I was so already in love with just brands and, and figuring out how companies work and what makes them grow, it just seemed like such a natural fit to learn more about public relations. And so I, I left Los Angeles and, and worked um, in a more PR capacity. I went um, to uh, another agency mm-hmm. for a few years and just learned that side of the business, really found love with the storytelling and figuring out how to position different companies and, and really give them a platform to communicate what makes them so special and what they offer.
0: Yeah. And so how do you define what a publicist does or what public relations is for those people who've heard PR and have considered it for their companies or just wondering what it is that, you know, a publicist does? What What is your definition?
1: Yes. And let's record this because my parents still, didn't, still don't understand what I do. So public relations is just a great, um, slash platform for raising brand credibility and for helping businesses create you know an image a persona a brand story and communicate what it is that they do to the world um so obviously there's a ton of different businesses out there and some get recognitions others don't Mm -hmm. so PR professionals help companies um you know, share their story through traditional and non-traditional channels. So we work with journalists, bloggers, influencers, anybody and everybody to communicate what it is clients our clients do mm-hmm. and what companies do and um, set them apart from their competition to help them just great gain that trust with customers. Sometimes it's a brand new company, right? Their startup and you know, they, they have a great product and they, nobody knows about them. So we can help put them on the map. And a lot of other times it's a fortune 500 company or fortune 100 company that we're helping remain competitive and continue to, um, be out there and, and, you know, trusting, uh, having, having customers trust them. Um, in some cases we also handle crisis, public, uh, crisis PR, sorry, which, um, as I'm sure you've seen in the news, there's, there's tons Mm -hmm. of that, right? So it's really helping maintain and protect the reputation. Yeah. Um, So in a nutshell, it's, it's to build, maintain and protect a company's reputation. That's what PR, uh, you know, overarching goals are, but then there are so many different ways of how we accomplish that.
0: Absolutely. So, Anna, I love how you just described what PR is. What I'm curious about, though, is how have you seen the landscape change? Because there's social media now. Everybody kind of is creating a Mm -hmm. brand like on social. And there's so many different platforms and different ways to get news out there. So I'd love to get your thoughts on what you've seen has changed.
1: Absolutely. Our our space is so dynamic and it changes constantly constantly. Um, I'm sure you've noticed in the news, there are magazine consolidations. There's some, excuse me, influencer marketing, yeah. there's social media, there's just so much. And everybody has access to information 24 seven because who doesn't have a cell phone, especially in the U S nowadays. Right. Right? right. So it's definitely changed not only how we do business, but also how customers are making decisions about their purchases mm-hmm. and the companies they want to support. So we're always, um, you know, tasked with being on top of that mm-hmm. and ensuring that we know what's going on and figuring out where our clients, customers are getting information from, what's influencing their behavior, whether it's B two C or B two B. We want to be sure that we are continuing to put our customers front and center in front of their customers, mm-hmm. and whether that is helping with some social media copy or. You know, having influencers review some products, or really going back and just you know doing the stuff that works really well, which is traditional media, talking to journalists, communicating the story through um, those editorial type of pieces. Um, A lot of times, we still have our customers meet their um, meet reporters face to face and really help them understand what it is that they do and how what they're doing is impacting the world.
0: Mm, It's so powerful. Um, You had written in your book that Kylie Jenner posted about snapchat or something they lost Mm -hmm. 1.2 billion dollars in the stock market is that true from something she posted
1: yes you know how they say it takes 30 years to build a reputation and 30 seconds to destroy it yeah and it's really true i mean we see this with other brands too they may be you know moving up 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 and then something happens and uh it really, you know, devalues the brand and they have to jump into crisis mode where they try to protect their reputation. And influencers today have a big impact on what customers think about brands. Right. And Mm -hmm. so that's why influencer marketing is huge. I mean, brands pay tons of dollars to have influencers validate their company or products or services. Uh, But oftentimes someone so influential can really just take a chunk out of the business and then, you know, they have to figure out a strategy. How do we win it back? Sometimes it's not intentional uh, because they just you know sharing their opinion. Mm. But similarly, you know, she may post about a t-shirt she loves and they're going to run out of t-shirts online and wow. be sold out for months. It's so, <laughs> so weird it goes to me. both ways.
0: I'm not going to lie. It's very odd. I think the whole thing is a little odd, but I, I I'm a Gen X. Maybe that's it.
1: I'm I, with you. I'm with you. Are you with me on that? So... <laughs>
0: Uh, Yeah, I just that's why I find it so interesting. And does it make your job like is it still kind of traditional or no, it sounds like you have to you have to cover all angles is what I heard you say, like social media and uh, and relationships with journalists and all of it.
1: Yeah, it really depends on the brand and the the industry they play in. Right. But at the end of the day, now with social media, companies have um, a dynamic profile at all times. Before, they had a website, and they'd update it, and then, you know, we'd work with traditional media, and it was all, you know, there was much more control you can have mm, over things. Right. I mean, you can't control a reporter's story, of course, right. but it's much more, um, you can put, you kind of get your arms around it. Yeah. Um, I mean, today, still, the tradi- traditional media is so key in creating that trust, Uh, and that validation and really communicating the story in actual editorial copy. It's so very important and critical. And, you know, it's interesting because there are magazines that are closing down, but there are also new magazines that are popping up. Mm. And I just actually was on a press trip last week and someone was telling me, a reporter was telling me that there was a recent survey that millennials are reading a lot more magazines these days, How funny! which is, which is awesome yeah, to hear of course, because even five years ago, it was seemed like doom and gloom. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's just so many different factors I think now, which makes it more challenging. Um, you know, even just between online publications versus print between blogs and then influencers, there's just a lot that you have to be on top of and in the know in order to make sure your customers and these companies are being, um, you know, looked at as credible businesses and are continuing to grow their revenue and continuing to grow their market share.
0: Wow. There's so many moving parts. I mean, even just mentioning the millennials. So you also have to be aware for the brands that you work with, their who mm-hmm. their audience is and how they consume information.
1: Exactly. And then what their competitors are doing mm-hmm. and how are they, you know, differentiating themselves? What are they doing better? What are they doing worse? How do we do it better? There's a lot. I mean, we are news junkies too. We're Mm. constantly on top and reading of the news and reading the news every day Mm. and seeing what's going on in the industries where our clients work.
0: It actually sounds fun though, too. (laughs)
1: <laughs> is it? it is it's, it's very fun it's um seldom boring in fact i don't think the last time like, yeah i can't remember the last time i was born there's,
0: there's... <laughs> well that's a good thing um so there may be women listening who would love to get some pr for their business whether they have a product or a service or a book or whatever can you give maybe one or two pro tips to women who want to get pr for their companies but can't really afford to hire somebody on the outside
1: yet? Sure. Um, I think, you know, a big piece of um, the business for any business owner, um, it really starts with the founder and the CEO, right? That's how it starts. It starts with personal brands and then it evolves into a a business. Mm -hmm. So I think just really understanding who you are and what your brand represents, what your company stands for is a big piece. And, And I've seen companies miss this a little bit. You know, they'll say, I need to be in the news, but they don't really have their story down just mm. yet. So just understanding what is your, you know, brand promise, what are your core differentiators? What are you bringing? What value are you bringing to the market is important. And, um, I, I think understanding your own core values and then how they relate to your business is really important. Mm. Uh, but then outside of that, you may not have relationships with reporters, but there's so many other ways to get quote unquote publicity, right? You can, um, get on a speaking circuit. There are so many awards that you can submit yourself for. Um, Even writing a blog can help with that because you can write a blog that offers value to your industry, to your customers. That could eventually become part of an article you may submit or a report and may utilize some of your content. So I think being active um, Mm -hmm. as much as you can um, is really important. And that's through social media, through your website, um, and things of that nature.
0: Uh, Take us into the mindset of a journalist, though. So they have usually maybe they have daily deadlines, right? So they're always Mm -hmm. on deadline and have to get something out. And so if you're sending them, you know, they put a query. So, for example, like help a reporter out, Harrow. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think a lot of, you know, solo entrepreneurs look at it. Maybe big companies do, too. I don't know. But if you were to reach out, what's a way to connect in a meaningful way where maybe it won't just be deleted?
1: (laughs) Sure. Um, so with HARO's, um, there's other tools as, as well, similar to HARO's. Uh, they get a lot of responses, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the great thing about having publicists or any PR professionals is the relationships that they've built with these reporters mm-hmm. over the years. Yep. But that doesn't mean that you can't get coverage um, or be placed you know, in an article if you don't, have something compelling to say. So there's a couple of things you can do. number one, you know, really understand who the reporter is and what they write about. A lot of times these reporters will get queries submitted that have nothing to do with what they asked. Mm-hmm. And so really just make sure it fits. And I would do a little research, follow them on social media, try to understand, okay, get kind of in their head too. What's their beat? What are they more focused on? Are they, you know, writing about um, you know, the economy? Are they writing about technology? Are they writing about a trend in consumer products? What is the type of stuff that they like to write about? Um, and then when you actually pitch them, obviously have something original that you're sending to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, make sure you haven't written in the same exact way for somebody else. They don't want to regurgitate something you've said with another publication or on your own blog. Mm-hmm. Make sure it's original content for them. And then make their job and life easier. I would say, you know. If they ask for a headshot, have a link to your headshot that's high res. If they ask for a bio, have a good bio that's final and edited. They don't need to, you know, mess around with it. And for content, you really can't get too crazy. I'd say, you know, if they ask for a paragraph, give them a paragraph. Mm. Um, Don't just give one sentence because they're going to want to, you know, pull out the best um, content that they get from others. Mm -hmm. Um, And just, you know, and if you can't answer something for that particular query, then there will always be another one. Uh, But I think short of creating relationships with all these, which is impossible if you have your day job Mm -hmm. (laughs) and you're actually building a business, just (laughs) make sure you have something of value to offer and um, read what they're looking for.
0: Yeah. And I'm curious, actually, if somebody wanted to hire a PR firm like yours, what is it that they should be asking or how do you, is it, is it about finding a good match with personalities? Like what are the criteria somebody should be evaluating?
1: Yeah, I think their agencies uh, a lot of times focus on different industries mm. or business sizes. So just understanding you know, the type of work that that um, agency does regularly. I would also ask for some you know, sample case studies and just what the approaches. You know, so if they were to get started with you, how would they approach it? What does the first 90 days look like? What do the first 30 days look like? You really want to get a good sense and and meet the team that will be working with you, whether it's one person or five people, Mm -hmm. depending on of course the business and your, you know, scope. Um, really get to know those people too because at the end of the day, your team, the PR team is going to be the extension of you and your business. Mm -hmm. And you want to make sure it's people that you would hire. Normally, because you're going to want to get along with them. You're going to want to you know, like them at the end of the of day, course. too, <laughs> because you're um, you want to have that really strong relationship. And the stronger that relationship, the more ROI you're going to see um, on those PR efforts.
0: Absolutely. And what industries do you focus on with your company?
1: So we work with consumer product brands, emerging tech, and hospitality. Mm -hmm. Um, So that means it's anybody from hotels and restaurants around the country, um, a lot of startups that are in the emerging tech space, Mm -hmm. and then consumer products. it, a lot of our clients are in the, um, uh, health and wellness space, mm-hmm. but we also work with different brands. I mean, we have a, a major golf brand on our roster, footwear brands, um, and things of that nature. We even have whiskey and craft beer. Mm. Um, so it's really anyone that we believe has a great offering and is just a great brand to work with. And that has a compelling story. Um, you know, we help them grow their business and uh, maintain their reputation.
0: Yeah. And you've been able to grow your company in five years to the seven figure mark. So that's phenomenal. Um, Thanks. no, it's great. And I'm sure it's because, so easy. yeah, no, I'm sure kidding. it's so easy, right? <laughs> well, give us a roadmap. No. Um, so <laughs> I think, I think women, you know, depending on whatever industry they are for those who are very ambitious and really want to, to grow, were there any, key strategies that made a difference in the way that you operated your company? Or was it just getting surrounded by great people, you know, uh, mentors, coaches? I know Kristen actually was just on the show last week. Um, Yeah. So I'd I'd love your thoughts on that.
1: Yeah, I think um, for me in the beginning, I didn't think too much about, you know, figures or revenue, just put your head down, get your work done, make sure everyone's happy mm-hmm. um, and everything else just comes organically. And then I think um, as you grow and you scale, you've got to really think about, okay, what tools and systems do we need to put in place because uh, a company with three people looks very different than a company from with 10 people or 12 mm-hmm. people or 15 mm-hmm. or you know 30, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the people piece is super important. Um, you know, hiring people that complement your strengths who are better than you in some aspects they really make the difference and that's inside the company, but then also outside the company, finding a network and a community of like-minded, uh, professionals who you can bounce ideas off of and who can really support you without judgment. Mm -hmm. Um, I I think that mentor piece is key and a lot of people don't really seek out mentors Mm -hmm. for some reason. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but having someone You know, there's so many different opinions around mentors and you know, there's articles I read around having your group of five people. Mm -hmm. I don't know what the number is. I think it's really just finding that network and a community that um you trust that will um you can learn from their mistakes and you can also teach them and show them what you've done, what's worked well and what hasn't.
0: Sure, it benefits everybody. And so what is the mindset though you believe a woman needs to be successful?
1: I think that, um, you've got to have a mindset that there aren't any limits and that everything that you'd like to accomplish is really in your hands and in your control. So you can choose to be complacent or you can choose to reach for the stars and neither is right or wrong. It's really just what is natural for you. Um, but I think that you have to know that if you work hard enough and you stay focused and disciplined, that anything can be accomplished in time. Sometimes you can get frustrated that things take longer, Mm -hmm. um, but um, you can't control the timeline, but you can control your efforts. And I think you just have to have that mindset that, you know, you got to do what's right for you. And if it is reaching for the stars, then you got to stay disciplined. Um, But being nimble also doesn't hurt. (laughs) Being nimble. Yeah.
0: I I love what you just said. And it made me curious, though. Do you do... Visualizations? Do you do affirmations? Do you do anything mindset wise um, to focus on big dreams?
1: Yeah, I do. um, So every year, usually in December, I do a plan for the next year. Um, And then in that, I also do a quick uh, visualization exercise. Sorry, it's my second language. (laughs) Visualization (laughs) exercise um, about 10 years out. So I do that exercise but I don't really write that down that's more just like do has anything changed or you know shifted based on how the year's been but then what I do is I write um you know, I break my life into various buckets and I write in each bucket um a goal big goal or small goal for the next year mm-hmm. so for instance i'm in the process of doing mine for 2020 so i have a health and wellness bucket i have a travel bucket i have a family bucket i have a business bucket i have an education bucket and each one of them has a certain number of goals or bullets right mm-hmm. and some can be very small like make sure i walk the dogs twice a week right or some can be really big um, there's like, you know, reach X number, um, you know, of dollars in revenue, whatever that mm-hmm. looks like. So there's different things, but in every quarter I recalibrate and I look at those and I kind of true them up and see, okay, what have we done? What haven't we done? Have some, she- something shifted, you know, like last year, for instance, I had a major health scare. Mm-hmm. So some of my priorities shifted because I said, okay, well right now I'm going to have to focus on health a little bit, which you know, wasn't as big of a bucket, um, mm-hmm. as maybe my travel bucket. Uh, but I'm going to change and adjust for the end of the year and get myself back on track. And so for me, that sort of thing works. But I, th- I think what we forget, especially as women is to give ourselves that time to focus on those big and small goals and to mm-hmm. really step out of the day to day, because you can just go, go, go. Right. I don't think there's a limit to how much we can do in a day, For sure. but it, but it's, And it's hard to remind yourself to stop, you know, step back, reevaluate and then go back into it. So I think that's doing that every quarter helps.
0: And do you have those goals in front of you or is it like in a notebook that you do visit every quarter? Because I'm wondering, like, are you reverse engineering based on what those goals are and then scheduling let's say it's health, maybe it's workout four times a week or something, are you getting things into your calendar for each of those buckets so that by that quarter, when you're going to reevaluate, you've actually made progress? Like, can you break it down? I'm just curious if there's more steps in the process.
1: Yeah. So I, um, you know, because I'm also a Gen Xer, I actually draw the goals out, right? So I, I have like a little drawing exercise and then Mm -hmm. I put them on my mirror in the, in my room, in my bedroom. Mm -hmm. And so I have, I see them every day. Uh, But then what I do is for some of the bigger ones, I break them out into quarters, sometimes weeks, and then I'll put them on my calendar. Mm -hmm. Um, Like for instance, one of my goals for um, when I had to recalibrate, so from July to December, was to ensure I focused on health and wellness. So mm. I joined, um, actually, Saffron and Sage. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe she was one of your guests. Kristen, Kristen yeah, guests. yeah, it's
0: actually coming out tomorrow. Yeah. So this this <laughs> okay. interview is being recorded on December 10th. Yours will come out probably, I don't know, maybe January. So anyway, yes, Kristen's on, <laughs> will be on December 11th, yeah.
1: but yes. Perfect, yeah. So um, I joined the Holistic Health Club and I nice. had to make sure that once a week, I would go and get a treatment of some sort. So it could be acupuncture, it could be cupping or massages because I needed that hour, hour and a half to myself. Mm-hmm. And so that goes on my calendar. Um, because if I sat on my calendar, I could stay at work another hour, hour and a half mm-hmm. and do more work. It's very easy. Or I could you know, spend more time with my kids, which not to not take away from my kids, but you also need your own time. Mm-hmm. So um, something like that would go on my calendar. But then outside of that, I would just look at that, you know, glance at it every couple of days and remind myself, oh, yes, I, you know, said that I was going to plan out four vacations. Great. Mm-hmm. I planned out too. Okay. I'll get on that. I'll put that on my list of things to do next week. Mm-hmm. So it's always top of mind, but I don't, you know, I don't think about it or cross it off a list every day.
0: Thank you for sharing that. I think systems are so important and it's always interesting to hear what systems are working and clearly it's working. Mm-hmm. So thank you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> sure, and and you're right. I think I was never really a systematic person. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, and you know, organization has never been my strong suit. Mm-hmm. But I've realized the importance of it when I started the business, and it's something that I've worked hard to implement and to change. Mm-hmm. A lot of it also has to do with habits, right? Mm-hmm. So figuring out how to rewire your brain a little bit so that you can get into these systematic ways to make sure things are actually done, because it's so easy to come up with plans and goals and visions and especially for creative people, right? Yeah. It's like, Oh, I'm going to do this. We're dreamers. I want to do this. I'm going to do that. But if you're not disciplined about it, it's just going to be moving on to another idea that you have. So you've got to have systems that keep you accountable and um, to get things done.
0: As I'm going into 2020, really looking to, uh, create new, new systems. So I may put some of yours into motion and see how it works and I'll let you know, (laughs) maybe that'll be your next book.
1: Uh, Perfect. I love it. (laughs) Well,
0: speaking of your book, so, um, you really, your book get real is the heart of it. It's about authenticity and authenticity is so important. And, you know, we hear a lot about it, but what made you want to write this book now and what does authenticity mean to you?
1: Sure. Um, you know, I've been in my career, well, in a career for about 20 years now, mm-hmm. and um, I noticed having worked in various corporate environments, um, you know, big firms, big big companies and smaller agencies, that many young people, especially women, are not always themselves in a corporate environment. And, and they kind of have this fake it till they make it approach because they're feared of being judged, misunderstood, and in some cases even let go. Mm. Um, but I I find that ultimately we perform at our highest level when we get to be ourselves and bring our unique perspective and our strengths to the table. Yeah. And do do the work that makes us happy. And, you know, that just feels like us. Um, So I wanted to highlight the importance of authenticity just in general, um, in living your best life, you know, getting to be yourself and kind of stemming from my childhood but then also how it matters in a professional environment mm. and how really some of the, the best companies out there, the companies that are performing well and thriving are the ones that are empowering their employees to be themselves. Mm. Um, and, and so I think there's just a big correlation and, but I, I do believe, especially now with social media, you know, and everybody's just putting on this facade and, and creating a brand that's not really authentic. I think it's just really important to have that conversation. And, um, you know, if you're, you know, if you're a jerk, be a jerk, embrace it. And if mm. you're kind, then, you know, if that's okay too. you know, show your kindness. Mm. And if you're positive, don't try to be negative. I've just seen that a lot, especially with young managers who are, you know, trying to get someone uh, to pay attention to them or to respect them mm. and not knowing how to gain that respect. But at the end of the day, the best way to do it, in my opinion, is to have that genuine um, relationship that, you know that and create that trust because without trust we are just we're doomed on all levels Mm -hmm. um so authenticity is really the best way in my opinion to generate and to create that trust and to have those um you know sometimes awkward conversations um can be tough but at Mm -hmm. the end of the day that's really what's going to get you that sort of um um you know a a great um i guess relationship and um in turn make you happy
0: it's true and authenticity resonates right People feel Mm -hmm. it because if you're not really being Mm -hmm. yourself, I think people feel it.
1: Right. Well, you know, I've been in environments where I'd have a great conversation with someone, then I'd get back to my computer and I'd get, you know, a nasty gram from that person. What? And say, wait a second, didn't we just, what? Why didn't we just passive aggressive? (laughs) Right. And I was like, and I go back like, wait, if there was an issue, like, why didn't we just discuss it? Why did we just, why did you just cover it up? Because like, let's just get to the bottom of it. Mm. And as much as I dislike uncomfortable conversations, I love uncomfortable conversations mm. because it's really how we strip down all the barriers and say, okay, let's figure out what's the, the root of all this. We've got to get on the same level. Um, and and I've pushed my team before too, to just have uncomfortable conversations. And uh, it sucks, especially for younger women and, and men, mm-hmm. but, um, if you're not really being yourself, if you're masking something, you're never going to solve it. And, uh, you've just got to, you know, you've got to own it. You've got to own what you offer and what you bring because no one else does it. No one else can bring the same stuff you bring. Um, so I think it's really important to, um, lead and just to live with authenticity.
0: Absolutely. And I think one of the challenges now with social media is that people are creating a curated image of themselves. Mm-hmm. And so it's, not actually encouraging or supporting people to be themselves. It's actually doing the opposite. And so I don't know how it impacts a Gen Xer versus a millennial versus what's the next one, Gen Z, or where they're going to come out at that. But um, I think your message is so important and really at the heart of life is really just being able to express your essence of who you are and why you're here. So I like what you said. If you're a jerk, be a jerk. Like I think of someone like Simon Cowell who you know mm-hmm. so successful and i think it's because he's just himself you may not agree with his style but he's just being true to himself and so right. you either love him or hate him but you know you may even just respect him even if you hate him because he's right so, right he's because he's just right. actually just being him and you kind of kind of can't
1: poke at that it's just who he is
0: um mm-hmm. that's what definitely and mind. you know
1: yeah yeah and you know where you stand with people when you understand them you know, you, you just, you don't have to second guess. You're like, okay, Mm -hmm. if they're, if they're normally a jerk and they're telling me something, okay, great. You know, there's no, there's no, um, masks here. Um, I know where I stand with them and then that's okay. But I think oftentimes, like you said, with social media, especially people just curate who they think they should be. Mm -hmm. And they'll say, you know, I'm having the best day ever. When you look at their life, actually they're not. Mm -hmm. And it's really unfortunate because, um, it pushes others, especially young people, to try to show something that they're not, mm-hmm. but that never gonna make them happy, right? So, and, and the amount of likes you get on your posts is really not a sustainable solution for happiness. No, <laughs> it's <laughs> um,
0: so, yeah. Absolutely. Well, you've been so successful and you did talk about a 10 year goal. So, I was gonna ask you where you see your company in the next five years, but maybe it's 10 years because have you done your exercise for December already?
1: I have not done it for my ten year as of this year. I've done it last year, but I think um, you know it hasn't really changed for me. Mm. Um, you know, I, I look at um, where we are today as a business, and I look at the industry we're at, and also just what's happening in our space and all of that, and you know how PR is changing, but also how marketing is changing. There's just so many moving parts, but mm. at the heart of it, I really just want to continue building, um, you know, the best mid-sized PR marketing agency mm. that not only gets to work with great brands and helping businesses grow so they can in turn, you know, employ others and, you know, grow their culture and and impact the world, uh, but also creating an environment where people are just excited to go work at. Um, I've always been really passionate about pursuing jobs that made me excited to get out of bed. Mm -hmm. And if something didn't excite me, um, you know, for a long amount of time, obviously not every day is exciting. There's days today I'm like, you know, (laughs) <laughs> but but if if there's um if you're continuously um, you know excited about getting to do what you love and going to work, then I think you're doing something right. So I want to make sure that we're creating an environment and the opportunities for our team to grow and um, showcase their talent and challenge themselves and mm-hmm. and feel successful and rewarded. And um, we've got a long way to go still to to get to. Um, offering everything that I would love to offer, mm. but we're definitely chipping away at it. And you know, the business today is, looks much different than it did a year ago and two years ago. And I'm mm. really proud of it. Mm. Um, and now I have a great team of people who um, are on that same mission. And when you've got several people who are on that mission, you just you you know you move mountains.
0: Mm, that's beautiful. Thank you for that. Um, so, how do you define success?
1: I think getting to do what you love, um, being around people who support you, challenge you and love you, Mm. um, there's really not much more to it. Right. I think from family to friends, social network, to your job career, um, getting to spend the day in a way that feels genuinely like you Mm. and, um, pushes you. I think that's what is successful
0: yeah that's great. Um, do you have a morning and or evening routine that fosters your success?
1: Um I don't really have a routine per se, but there's definitely things that I want to make sure I get done in the morning. Uh, I'm not as regimented, so there's and I have two small kids under ten. Mm-hmm. So there's things that I just get thrown in for a loop. And you know if someone doesn't sleep all night or um, you know, or I don't get some good sleep or whatnot, mm-hmm. so things change. Mm-hmm. and And a lot of times I'm traveling. Um, but what I do know is that I'm a morning person and I like to get some of my work done before I even leave the house. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like to spend time with my kids before I leave the house. So it's, they're er- very early mornings in my household. And, um, in terms of evenings, same thing. I, I, work really hard all day. Um, when I get home, I do leave my my phone in a different room for a couple hours mm. so I can spend time with my kids and I can focus on them even if it's, you know, for an hour. Um, and then once they get to bed, I, need, you know, I, I hop back online or I spend time with my husband. Um, so it, it, it's not really a routine, but there's definitely things that I need to make sure um, I check off the list and, mm-hmm. and that's spending time with, with my boys um, after a long day <laughs> and also feeling productive first thing in the morning and not getting behind on what I need to do.
0: Awesome. Those are great priorities. And it's you incorporate them incorporate them daily. So that's awesome. Um, So I think that there's a lot of wisdom from our future selves that they want to leave us a message. So what advice do you think your 80-year-old self would give you about how to live a good
1: life? Um, I think I would probably tell myself to not take things so personally. Mm. Um, Something I've struggled with over the years You know, if someone makes a certain decision, I'm like, "Well, why did they do that?" And and there was definitely times in my life where I've just taken things personally that had nothing to do with me. Mm. Um, And so I think that would be something I'd really want to um, highlight, Mm. and something that I'm working on uh, to make sure that you know everybody's got their own course in life, and everybody makes decisions, sometimes business decisions and things like that, and a lot of it has nothing to do with one another. Right. Mm -hmm. So just, just focusing on, um, giving back as much as I can and doing things for others as much as I can. And if no, they don't take your advice and not take it so personally, (laughs) they have their own course. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Sounds like some wise advice for all of us.
1: Um, can you leave
0: all of the women listening with your three best tips for living a good life?
1: Well, one is obviously be yourself, mm-hmm. <laughs> and there is that famous quote: "You know, those who matter don't mind, and those who mind don't matter." Mm. So just live how you want to live, and mm. um, don't apologize for it. And my other one would be make most of every day. Um, I think it's just so important to be grateful for every day and um, start the day knowing that you've got a kind of a blank slate. And just to do as much as you can. And I don't mean that, you know, that you have to always be working. Um, whatever that day looks like, even if it's just relaxing, make the most of it. You know, read a book, um, spend time with loved ones. But um, I think it's, it's really important to, to think of every day as a special day and not just waiting, you know, five days till you get to Saturday mm-hmm. or three months till you go on vacation. I think it just goes by so quickly. I mean, I can't. I can't believe I'm in my fourth decade on life. My youngest son asked me last night how many decades I've been alive for.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's a funny question. That's cute. I know. I like that. I know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, probably talking said, about it in school. Maybe that we're going into a new decade, and so maybe he's curious. <laughs>
1: maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I said, "Oh god!" I said, "Oh my god!" Four decades—that's forever. Um, <laughs> but it just, you know, goes really fast, and you have it to does. just take stock of every day i think and then my other one would be say yes um and that means differently now that i'm in my 40s than it did in my 30s and my 20s mm-hmm. and i think it means i think that yes word means different things to different people and mm-hmm. at every stage in life but i always said, i've always said yes to opportunities and um it's really helped me along the way and it's taught me some lessons too
0: Beautiful. Um, Anna, for people who want to learn more about you and your work, where can I direct them?
1: Um, My website is just crowpr.com, C R O W E P R.com. But then, you know, feel free to connect with us on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, just at crowpr.
0: Perfect. And I'll link all of that in the show notes. Um, Thank you for sharing your story and your wisdom um, and just information on PR, because I know it's going to benefit women who are listening. So thank you for your time today. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I hope that you walked away with some key new ideas to get some PR for your company or ways to pitch the media. All of the show notes can be found over at thegoodlifecoach.com forward slash 066 for today. If you would like to join my community where you get a weekly email that Sends directly to your inbox the latest episode of the podcast, my key takeaway, and a summary of what's covered. Then definitely sign up while you're over there and know that you'll get as a thank you 52 self care tips. One idea for every week of the year. Now, starting in February, though, I'm going to be swapping out that freebie to one on discovering your purpose. But I will say that whatever I offer as a new freebie, I automatically send my community because they're a part of the community. So, either way, I hope you will join and say hello. Uh, in order to best serve you, the more I know about your challenges, your struggles, what you want covered on the show, the more I can be in service. So definitely say hello when that welcome email comes into your inbox. Thanks as always for tuning in, and I look forward to reconnecting with you next Wednesday. Bye for now.